I'm Sheldon Brown. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Right, this is The Bike Show, back on Resonance 104.4 FM after a very invigorating couple of months of freewheeling and no broadcasting. back for the summer season and with the arrival of summer and the bike show London has decided to turn the clocks back a couple of months and it's absolutely freezing and pouring down with rain outside. In fact we even have rain inside the studio here at Resonance FM. We're now in a studio downstairs having had to evacuate the upstairs studio due to the roof falling in. And um, just up to my left here above the banks of machinery is a rather threatening looking hole and beneath it are a pair of buckets collecting the water coming in through the roof. So we have rain outside and rain inside. All the more reason to keep your donations from bike show listeners coming into the station so we can make good the damage and uh, safeguard resonance for another five years on the 1st of May this year while the bike show was off air resonance celebrated its fifth year broadcasting to the airwaves of London what better excuse could there be for a donation anyway you can find out how to do that by looking at the resonance website www.resonancefm.com Well, on today's show, we're going to be looking at the question of road danger from the point of view of cyclists in London and around the world. Uh, But first, before that, as you probably know, if you live in London, and you may well know if you live somewhere else, the Tour de France is coming to London this year, that great celebration of cycling and cycle racing. And the countdown is on, and we'll be with you on the bike show every week up until the Grand Départ on the uh, 6th, 7th and 8th of July. And uh, with the Grand Depart less than two months away, it's quite possible and frankly quite absurd that we may be beginning the 2007 Tour de France without knowing who actually won the Tour last year in 2006. That's because Floyd Landis, the rider who came first um, in 2006, failed a drugs test, um, having made a spectacular recovery in the Alps to claim the leader's yellow jersey. Despite being dumped by his team, uh, Floyd Landis is protesting his innocence and there is a long and very drawn-out appeal um, of the test going on. 
uh, Landis has requested an arbitration hearing with the US Anti-Doping Agency, and that begins today, good timing, in Malibu, California. Uh, the proceedings are open and will be webcast on the internet. There's a whole army of bloggers out there who are covering every twist and turn of this basically rather sad saga. Um, and I'll put a few links to uh, some of the more dedicated bloggers on the Bike Show website, website which is www.thebikeshow.net if you want to follow it. We're not going to be following it in enormous detail on the Bike Show because we've got better things to cover. But... Um, there are people who are paying this a lot of attention, and if you want to find out what's going on um, in this doping case and who will be declared the ultimate winner of the 2006 Tour de France and will presumably wear the number one jersey in the Tour de France 2007, uh, you need to follow what's going on in that appeal. But in the meantime, here are a couple of radio slots, the first of which was produced by the fund that is trying to help clear Floyd Landis's name. He was raised in a strict, hard-working Mennonite family, and he won the Tour de France. There it is, American Floyd Landis wins the 2006 Tour de France. But an international group falsely accuses Floyd Landis after one of his eight tour drug tests was mishandled. The LA Times investigated the charges and found errors, inconsistent results, and that the lab may have allowed improper access to Landis's urine sample. Now, Landis must seek justice from the United States Anti-Doping Agency, an agency funded by Congress and mandated to protect athletes' rights. But their rules deny athletes key evidence and deny them the rights any American should expect. The LA Times called the anti-doping agencies a closed quasi-judicial system without American-style checks and balances. Congress must demand that USADA give Floyd Landis a fair hearing. Learn more at FloydFairnessFund.org. Paid for by Floyd Fairness Fund. How much money have you spent already in, in your defense? Uh, I've spent to this point about $500,000. I would like to be uh, assumed innocent until proven guilty. How do you explain the test results? Well, this is where I got myself into trouble from the beginning. I can't explain these test results because I don't know exactly how this um, anomaly has occurred. All this talk of getting on It's getting me down, my love Have you ever taken performance-enhancing drugs before? I'll see. I'll say no. This time I'm coming down what actually happened here was there's a so-called unnatural ratio of two natural substances. There's no evidence of any unnatural substance in my body. If you uh, maintain that you haven't taken any drugs, that you did nothing to, to goose your performance, what would explain these test results? That's what I have hired experts to figure out. I had understood that you were claiming these were naturally occurring levels of testosterone. I didn't realize that you were challenging the test itself. You're not changing your story, are you? I give a sample of urine to a person from the UCI. 
What happens to it after that? After it leaves my possession, I have no say over what happens to this thing. And I can prove to you, and I will prove to you, and demonstrate to you that the people at the lab are not objective about this. They have. So you're not changing the story, are you? The people at the lab have the names of the riders connected to the numbers. Now, in order for them to be objective and to make a, a test on a, on, a, on a sample that is without any kind of bias, um, it has to be completely anonymous. That is a fatal flaw in the system. The fact is, uh, this is the most prestigious, the most important cycle race in the world. People have taken drugs. We know that many, many people have taken drugs to try to win it. Everybody hears what has been reported and says, well, Floyd Landers is just another in that long line. To be fair, I don't hold that against them. Well, that was Floyd Landis and his arbitration hearing is underway as of today in Malibu, California. You're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. And there's one person who knows an awful lot about the Tour de France and writes about it extremely beautifully and eloquently. He is English writer and lifetime cyclist Graham Fife. Uh, Graham has a new book out called The Beautiful Machine, and really it's a memoir, a very personal memoir of his life and his life on a bicycle. Uh, the book launch is this Thursday at the Velarution Bike Shop, which is one of the bike show's favourite bike shops in the West End of London, um, Great Titchfield Street, and it's from 7pm, and I think all are welcome, although it might be helpful to... Uh, drop an email or call ahead by phone to let them know that you're coming. Um, so it's this Thursday at 7pm and I think there'll be some drinks on hand or a bar and Graham will be giving some readings of his new book, The Beautiful Machine, which is out now in hardback. I'm ploughing my way through a copy of it and hope to catch up with Graham, if not this week, then certainly next week, and we're going to go for a ride and have a chat about his life and why he loves the bicycle and why he decided to devote a good part of his writing career to bicycle-related things. Time for some more music on The Bike Show. Yo. Yo. It's Abdominal. Einstein on the beat. Push a pedal. Put my foot to the pedal, slip it in a basket. No helmet, so maybe I'll end up in a casket. Prematurely, yo, knock on oak abdominal. Rocket on spokes, resting a rubber by Continental on a vintage frame from a Yeti made of metal mid 80s. Factory pink with a white trim. Not following, I know cycling, my man. Legs like Tyson's, 31 years old, still don't have my driver's license for real. So fuck an automobile and big ups to all those people pushing those two wheels. Before I had this mic career, I was on the streets hustling as a bike courier. Now I'm catching transatlantic flights, but when the tour is done, it's back on the bike. Climbing a sense, so when I'm rhyming my breath, never ending like as if I had. Out of mind for a chest. Treat a beat like the Tour de France versus earning me the yellow jersey like Lance. Uncontested champ with consecutive wins. Clockwise wheel motion like a record that spins all day in the saddle till my touch hurts. Ab certified pedal I'm pusher. I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals like crazy. For me to be, I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals all day, B. For me to be, I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals like Daisy. For me to be, 
I'm a pedal pusher. I push pedals and I take my dust with a soft and set. A little cross country on a chain, get a fresh rag, wipe down a frame, ready to go. Tie my army pants at the knees. I already have enough pants covered in grease. Slip on the disc, man, eyes so sharp. They do the listening while supplying vision at the same time. Waste no time to slide my ride into a break in the line of traffic. Don't ask me why, man. For some reason, I need a matchstick in between my lips to help me concentrate till I hit that zone where there's no need to contemplate. Every movement, muscle memory, computing conclusions quicker than the thinking mind. Strictly relying on instincts to wind through this river of grimy exhaust pipes, potholes, pigeons, streetcar tracks you could slip in, pedestrians, potential door prizes, pretty girls to divert your eyes at that crucial juncture, and of course the constant possibility of a puncture, pollution to make your lungs strain. All the same, fuck a country lane. Not the same rush as biking in rush hour. Hit the florist if I wanna touch flowers. That's for old. People on bike tours, I'm in the city flying over sewers. Not the fastest on a straightaway, but in downtown traffic, I'll lay you the way straight up, man. So don't test my metal. My name's a domino, and I push pedals. I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals like crazy. From A to B, I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals all day, B. From A to B, I'm a pedal pusher, push pedals like Daisy. From A to B, I'm a pedal pusher. I push pedals and I take my dust, but it's already set. Well, without a hint of irony, that was Abdominal with a track called Pedal Pusher off a new album, I believe, and it goes out as a dedication to Bill and his trusty band of fakingers hanging out on the Moving Target forum. If you've been reading the papers in the UK lately, and in London in particular, you'll have noticed an increase in the coverage of cycling, um, which is a good thing. And we talked about that on a podcast-only show a couple of weeks ago while the bike show was off air. But some of the uh, news coverage has really only happened as a result of a tragic series of high-profile fatalities in which lorries ran over cyclists and killed the people involved. There's been a lot of misinformation out there, um, but some good coverage too. And one of the best places is the aforementioned moving target zine. I didn't really mean it, Bill. You're keeping it real. And another reliable source is Road Peace, which is an organisation dedicated to supporting road crash victims. Road Peace held a panel discussion during Road Safety Week towards the end of April last month. And Kieran Yates went along to record the proceedings. Now we're going to feature some more of the discussion and it was quite a long and involved discussion with a lot of experts around the table and we're going to feature that in subsequent editions of The Bike Show. But for now I wanted to play the entirety of 
a talk given at the meeting by Dr. Ian Roberts, who is Professor of Public Health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And it's about 13 minutes long, so stick with it. And it's really fascinating. And um, Dr. Roberts covers the issue of road safety in a broad international context. Thank you very much. Um, as, um, as you just heard, I work in the School of International Public Health, so I want to provide an international perspective. So this week is United Nations uh, Road Safety Week. Before the week is out, about 23 to 25,000 people will have died on the world's roads. And about 10 times as many people will have sustained serious brain injuries and be permanently disabled. So where do they come from? Well, 90% of them come from low- and middle-income countries, and most of them will be vulnerable road users, pedestrians, and cyclists. So this is a flipping disaster. Yeah? And we, so is the response, the international response, up to the scale of the problem? So I want to introduce you to some of the key players in dealing with this problem. So the, the first one is the Global Commission, the Commission for Global Road Safety. Here, this is the report. Its, its front picture on the cover shows helmeted Japanese children being escorted across a road with three guards and little yellow handles. So nevertheless, let's have a look who, who this commission is. Well, there's some, there's some serious heavyweight politicians here. The chairman is Lord Robertson of Port Ellen. So he used to be um, United, you know, Secretary General of NATO, the UK Defence spoke um, Secretary. And Road Peace says it's a war on the roads. Maybe it's a good thing we have someone like Lord, <laughs> Ellen of, 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 uh, Lord Robertson of Port Ellen. Now, what about the other commissioners? We've got Mr. Rosario Alessi. He's president of the Automobile Club of, Ind of Italy. We've got Doctor, from the Russian Federation, oh, I should say, there's a member from each of the G8 countries. So Dr. Kortunov, is, uh, he works in international security-related projects. He must be a mate of Lord Robertson. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> then there's a guy from the UK who's an economist, a guy, two doctors, Michael Schumacher, Formula One driver. <laughs> Uh, he's representing Germany. And then we've got, we've got the only woman, Tracy Wakefield. She works for General Motors. <laughs> and we've got Mr. Shigo Watanabe from Japan, who works for the Bridgestone Tire Corporation. Now, this is a seriously august group of people. So I don't doubt their, their commitment to reducing death and injury. But can we be sure? that their commercial interests don't conflict with the needs of vulnerable road users like pedestrians and cyclists. I'm not so sure. Writing in the Guardian newspaper this week, the commissioner, um, Michael Schumacher, wrote about his optimism for improving road safety in poor countries. This is what he wrote. In the industrialized nations, we have demonstrated how we can reduce road deaths even as traffic levels grow. In my racing career, I've survived some very high-speed impacts. I'm still alive because sports governing body designed a system where safety is a prime consideration. 
I thought about that and I checked it out on the internet and it seems to be true. You, imagine this. Let's do a little imagination exercise. I want you to imagine the Formula One track at Silverstone and these cars are going really, really fast around it and hardly anybody gets killed. Yeah? Remarkable. But then I got another idea. I imagined child pedestrians, cyclists, people walking their dog on the track as well. And it was different. I just saw blood everywhere. Yeah? So the reason that you can make Formula One driving safe is because you get rid of ordinary people. And if we want to live in a society like that, we can have it. But I think a lot of people in the room don't. He was excited. He said, um, I'm delighted at being part of the independent commission for global road safety. Independent of what? <laughs> it's certainly not independent of the motor manufacturers. Now, th this commission, wherever I put my, my book, was established by, it was brought together by a group called the FIA, which is the Foundation for the Automobile and Society. That sounds really nice. It's an international membership of 142 motoring organizations and national motorsport associations, ranging from the Automobile Club of Andorra right down to Z, the Zimbabwe Motorsports Federation. That sounds dodgy, doesn't it? So the, it, the foundation was established with a, with a £300 million donation from the FIA, which is the government, governing body of world motorsport. Um, so again, you know, these people want to do good, but are their interests, these motoring organizations, necessarily in the interests of vulnerable road users? I think we have to question that. Now, another key player is the Global Road Safety Partnership. So this is GRSP. If you open the cover, you see the, the chair is the director of Volvo Cars Safety Center in Gothenburg. So she's got interests. I'm sure, I'm sure she's concerned about global road safety. I was concerned that the interests of these organizations and these bodies may conflict with, uh, they might put in place only those strategies that concur with their financial interests. That's what I was worried about. So we racked our brains to come up with an objective measure. And so what we did, an objective way to find out if there was a bias. So we took the World Report on Road Traffic Injury Prevention and we did a word frequency analysis. And then we took the documents prepared by GS GRSP, the Global Road Safety Partnership. Let me tell you, I haven't told you who the, who the partners are. The partners include General Motors, Ford, Daimler, Chrysler, Volvo, and the drinks multinationals, Bacardi, Martini, and United Distillers. Now, do their interests at Will they put in place effective strategies for preventing road death and injury on the roads? So we did this word frequency analysis. We word frequency analysis analyzed world report on road traffic injury prevention. And then we did, which wasn't a radical document by any stretch of the imagination. Then we did these documents. And we found some interesting differences. So let me see if we can guess. So we've got World Health Organization and motor manufacturers. Who talks most about speed? It's the World Health Organization. Who talk, talks more about billboards? <laughs> <laughs> Who talks most about uh, public transport? It's the World Health Organization. Who this is what the, what the 
The terms that most commonly occurred in GRSP documents were GRSP, school, campaign, plan, traffic garden, shared, driver training, and billboard. So, oops, a daisy. I, I think there is, I hope that that was some objective evidence that there are serious differences in orientation between these two things. Now, I worked on this with, with, with Bob over there, who actually did a little bit of detective work, and he found an interesting thing that the, Glo the Commission for Global Road Safety, the FIA, and the Global Road Safety Partnership seem like separate organizations, but they're actually the same people. So, for example, um, we've got David Ward is the secretary of the Global Commission, the director of the FIA, and a member of the Global Road Safety Partnership. Rosario Alessi is the Italian commissioner for the, the commission thing, and the chairman of the FIA. These aren't, this is like, it's a, such a clever strategy. There's one body and many heads. It's like a hydra, yeah? But the one body is predominantly made up of the motor manufacturers. Now, the mission of the World Health Organization is to improve health worldwide. The mission of the motor manufacturers is to provide a return to shareholders, yeah? So is it dangerous or not that the World Health Organization partners with these organizations in producing reports? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. It, I know for one thing that road safety is the, there is less funds for road safety than almost any other cause of human misery. So maybe it's good strategic sense to get their money and try and do good things with it. I mean, maybe that's why they provided, they, they worked together on this report on helmets, a road safety manual for decision makers and practitioners. You know, they've got the list of, you know, WHO collaborating with, with, with the motor manufacturers. But there are risks, aren't there? And I think the risks are even more apparent as time goes on because road traffic crashes must be seen in a wider public health context. Transport is almost entirely based on fossil fuels. Transport is responsible for about 14 or 15% of, of greenhouse emissions worldwide. This is a major... Global climate change is a juggernaut heading in our direction. What we're doing is nowhere near enough, given, given the magnitude of the problem. When, masses of, when international scientists from all around the world reach consensus and say things are seriously bad, you know things are really diabolical because scientists don't reach consensus. So. Walking and cycling are absolutely key to the transition to a low-carbon, low-energy economy. We have to do this to save the planet. I don't think this is the way to do it. I don't think the Department of Transport is anywhere near close to doing what's necessary. I realized recently that with climate change, scientists are surveying the global climate for signs of positive feedbacks that could herald the end of life on the planet. So there are some positive feedbacks that are really scary. So like as the now impermanent permafrost starts to thaw out, it could release huge quantities of the greenhouse gas methane into the atmosphere. Wow, powerful greenhouse gas, serious vicious cycle. Melting snow and ice cover could do the same. So they're watching the planet for signs of these positive feedbacks. But I've, I think 
that we have missed a really important positive feedback. And, that, and the evidence that that feedback is taking place is the global pandemic of obesity. We've actually changed the shape of the human species. We're not call ourselves homo sapiens, we're homo obesiens. And homo obesiens is the most rapaciously dangerous species on the planet. It's sign, I believe, of a clear positive feedback. This is how it goes. So, Very quickly. Yeah. Okay, this man, he looks so healthy, he looks like he might be about 30. Now he decides to get to the office a little bit earlier, he decides to take the car rather than walk, just 500 meters. So 500 meters, morning and evening, at the end of a year, his substitution of fossil fuel energy in his car for food energy, he'll gain about a kilogram, which is about the weight of this, right? That small positive energy balance will be ongoing. So by the time he's 40, he'll have 10 of these all over his body. Now that's equivalent of walking around carrying a chair. Or actually, no, this, this isn't 10 kilograms, it's, only, it's less, but it's like carrying two chairs. And if you walk around all day carrying two chairs, you get tired, you know? You don't want to do it, so you don't want to walk and cycle anymore. So you get even fatter, and, then, and you get tireder, and then other positive feedbacks kick in, like your back starts to hurt because you've, you've been bending over because your belly's too big, you know? And your knees get osteoarthritis. And then you go to that most energy intensive of all places, the NHS. It's a huge employer. It's got more, it's only, it's second only to the Chinese army and Walmart in terms of employees. It's an energy hungry, energy hungry factory of in, immense proportions. So obesity is evidence of a positive feedback that could wipe us all out. We've exchanged in the UK, we haven't made progress despite what the Department of Transport says. We've exchanged We've exchanged road death and injury for, global, for massive childhood obesity. That, there's, no, there's much less progress than they claim. So we need to be careful. Thank you very much. Well, that was Dr. Ian Roberts speaking at the Road Peace panel discussion on the 26th of April. This has been The Bike Show. Next week, we'll be back with Bicycling Poetry with Martin Newell. Next up is The Clear Spot and another Martin, Martin Williams. This is a repeat from earlier this year, a clear spot entitled 2006 or The Last Days of Disco. Resonance of Apple, 105.